about the season here in the coming services, and we will divert away from that a little bit tonight, and we may reference it from time to time. Um, but uh, going to give us something tonight to try to grow us just a little bit uh, in our faith spiritually, uh, because I think if there's one thing that we're probably all good at, it's growing physically, uh, but maybe not so good as growing spiritually. I mentioned when I came home from vacation that when I'm on vacation, I just pretty much eat what I want as much as I want, as often as I want. We go to Disney World uh, during the time of the year where they offer a free dining, and uh, those are two of my favorite words in the whole world, free and dining. You put them together, it makes one of the best compound phrases in, in all of the English language. And so while we're down there, I put a hashtag on one of our pictures, vacation calories do not count. And I keep telling myself that. I know it does, it's not true, but I keep telling myself that all the same. But I know that when I get home, I'm going to have to cut back a little bit. And so as soon as we got home, I began to cut back and uh, try to make sure I keep this body physically fit. Because the holidays are coming around the corner. We'll be having a lot of family meals together, uh, Christmas time and turkey and ham and dressing. And it's hard to find any of that stuff that fits in the food pyramid of healthy stuff. And so I know that I'll be putting on extra calories. And so I've been trying to, to watch that. I read one article that says that uh, on an average day, an average Christmas day for people that get up and eat a Christmas breakfast uh, and then uh, maybe a big Christmas lunch and then after that you have leftovers, right? And you got to eat all of that. On an average Christmas day, people can eat upwards of 6,500 calories. 6,500 calories. That, that's why I'm backing off now. I'm making room for later because I know I'm going to put it back on and, and, and try to, look, I really am. I'm trying to become physically fit if we can. I'm not going to worship my body. The Bible tells us, 1 Timothy chapter 4, some of you ought to write verse 8 down as your life's verse. The Bible says that bodily exercise profiteth little. Amen. Write that one down. It's scripture. It really is in there. That bodily exercise profiteth little. So uh, you don't need to focus on being vain and working out so people look at you and you have all of that. But we do need to take care of our physical bodies and keep them physically in shape. But the Bible goes on to say in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 8, but godliness, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness profiteth unto all things. And it goes on to say, not only here in this life, but the one to come. When we strive to be spiritually fit, all right? Uh, we work hard oftentimes to be physically fit. Nothing wrong with that. I think you ought to try to keep uh, your body healthy and be a good steward of the body that God gave you. That you, way you can serve God longer. You see, that's the end goal. It's not so we become vain that people look at us. It's so that you'll be healthy enough to fulfill the will of God for your life. But the Bible says, ultimately, physical exercise, bodily exercise, it profiteth little. That means you're going to get very little gain out of it. And what gain you do get is only in this life. But godliness profiteth unto all things. So God desires that we put the focus not necessarily on being physically fit. That does not give us a reason to go out and eat 6,500 calories on Christmas Day, okay? I'm not telling you that. Some of you are going to walk away from here. You've already turned me off. As soon as you heard those first few lines, you said, the preacher says I can eat what I want and it's okay. No. The focus meaning we should put as much uh, interest and priority on being spiritually fit. What's interesting is when we read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29 and 30, speaking of the church, the Bible says that we are part of his body. 
All right, the church, we're part of his body, the body of Christ. And I believe tonight we'll see in this passage in Colossians that God wants his body to be spiritually fit. You say, well, how do you know that? Look at verse 10. Verse 10, the Bible says that you might walk. What's the next word? Worthy. What does that worthy mean? It means fit. Of the Lord unto all pleasing. That means that we are spiritually healthy. That's pleasing unto God. And so as we read this, this is a prayer, if you will. Uh, verse 9, Paul says, we, we do not cease to pray for you. And here's what he's praying, that they would be spiritually fit. Tonight for a few minutes, I want to look at that subject, if we could, of getting fit in the faith. Getting fit in the faith or in our faith. And I believe Paul shows us how to have a good balance regimen to be spiritually healthy that we might fulfill the will of God. So let's, if we could, look at verse number nine. Paul says, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye, watch this, might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, folks, I have no problem filling my belly. That's very easy for me to do. As uh, a matter of fact, that's what I gravitate toward doing. Took my wife out to lunch today at Sweet Peppers, and uh, I walked up to the counter. The guy says, can I take your order? I says, do you have anything healthy? He says, we have salads. I said, I was afraid you was going to say that. I ended up getting a flatbread. I felt like, you know, a flatbread is better than a fat bread, so I got a flatbread. Instead, it made me feel better psychologically. Maybe I'm shallow because of that, but I'm trying to eat physically healthy because I am prone to want to fill this belly. But he's not talking about filling our belly. Notice the Bible says that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So what is Paul speaking to the church at Colossae about? About becoming worthy and pleasing to God. So number one tonight, notice it begins with a dedicated diet. It begins with a dedicated diet. He says to be filled he says, listen, if you're going to be spiritually fed, you're going to have to be careful and mindful of what you put into your spiritual body. He says that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, folks, listen, if you're not careful, you're going to go out there and gorge yourself on the world and then find it difficult to run the race that God's called us to. Have you ever tried, uh, have you ever filled up on a meal and then tried to run? Some of you, I don't know if you've ever even tried to run, but if you've ever tried the two together, you, you fill up. I mean, we'd eat at Disney. We, man, we'd fill up. All-you-can-eat buffet. They call it all-you-care-to-eat. It's a nice way to put it now, but all-you-can-eat, I consider that a challenge. All you can, all right, we'll see all that we can do. And, and next thing you know, we're late for one of the parades and we're trying to jog across the park and all of a sudden, everything that I filled myself with is, is trying to become unfilled. We'll just put it that way to keep it nice and uh, Keep it kosher here tonight. You have to be careful what you fill yourself with because what you fill yourself with will have a direct impact on the will of God whether you fulfill it or not. Too many of us wonder why we can't fulfill the will of God, why we can't run our race. It's because of what we're filled with. And Paul's prayer for the church at Colossae was that it be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now here's what's interesting about that. How do we find the knowledge of his will? I mean, how do we know that? Do we, uh, Sister Sarah down here on Highway 49, the palm reader, do we go down there and get her to tell us the will? No, that's not where you find the will of God. Some of you look disappointed, but that's not how you find it. It's not where you find it. How do we find the will of God? Well, we find it in the word of God. 
That's how we know his will. How do we know? People ask me sometimes, they get a little bit mad at the preacher. And look, I hope you don't get mad at me for something that we're preaching out of the word of God because I'm just telling you what he's already said. Amen? Sometimes we'll get up to preach and we'll preach and folks say, are you trying to tell me how to live my life? No, 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 no. Please don't take it that way. I'm just trying to tell you how God wants you to live his life because when you got saved, he bought you and you belong to him. He gets to, he gets to define that. He gets to tell you what you are filled with and what you're not filled with. And the reason so many of us are not spiritually fit is because we're not filling ourselves with the things that God has outlined for our spiritual diet. Man, I went to the refrigerator the other day. I went to Walmart. I just bought all kind of good, supposedly good stuff. It's fruit and vegetables. I even bought zucchini for lunch one day last week. All I had was zucchini. There was 100 calories in it. You get to eat a lot of it for 100 calories, but my goodness, a man can only eat so much zucchini. It, it, look, it took me a while to get filled up on that stuff. See, I'm, what I'm putting in my body, I'm, I look, I'm wanting to be fit. And so I'm careful at what I fill myself with. The reason so many of us are not spiritually fit to fulfill the will of God is we're not conscious of what we're filling ourselves with. And the Bible says we should be filled with the knowledge of his will. How do we do that? By being filled on his word. That's how you find the will of God. How did Moses know that God wanted him to go to Egypt? God's word. How did Abraham know? How did Noah know? How did, all, how did the Apostle Paul know? It was the very word of God. Folks, you'd be amazed at how much of the will of God you could fulfill if you were spiritually fit because you spent time filling yourself with the word of God which shows us the knowledge of his will. Now, folks, let me give, let me give you a quick one real quick. You'll be able to do a quick test tonight and find out uh, what you fill yourself with, Okay? Does your knowledge of the world outweigh your knowledge of God's word? Okay? If we fill ourselves with the knowledge of the world and all that the world puts on the table because we want to fit in and meet the status quo and we fill ourselves with those things, don't think for a moment we are going to be spiritually fit for the will of God. I worked around teenagers all of my life and we still work around teenagers looking forward to camp time and kids coming in and all of those things, but... You don't have to hang around teenagers maybe five, ten minutes. And you listen to them talk. And you listen to what they talk about. And you listen to what they look forward to doing and the places they look forward to going. And you can find out what they've been filling themselves up on. Sadly, it's often the world. In Romans 12, the Bible tells us, verse 1, that it's uh, our requirement. God has called us, God has commanded us to prove the will of God. To prove that perfect will of God. Now, let me ask you this. How can you prove something you don't know? It's hard to prove something you haven't taken the time to be filled on. I've got up to preach before. I hate to say it, but I have. I've got up to preach before and had a long week and then didn't spend a whole lot of time in the Word and didn't stay up late like I should and burn the midnight oil preparing for a message and got up. And, buddy, you could tell by what came out of my mouth that I didn't fill myself with very much at all. Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Can I tell you, out of the abundance of your heart and what you fill yourself with, your daily spiritual diet, whether it's spiritual or carnal, will show up because out of the abundance of the heart. So number one, it begins with a dedicated diet. And our intake, understand this, our intake will affect our output. Okay? 
Our intake is going to affect our output. I want to show you a picture right quick. Guys, you got that picture of the, uh, of the stick. I sent it to you. There we go. There we go. This is me on vacation. I'm showing you this for full disclosure. You know, I don't want you to think I'm anything I'm not. And, you know, Paul, unless I should be exalted above measure. So I'm just going to show you how carnal I am. Let me tell you what that is. That's a three-quarters of an inch thick slab of bacon that was smoked in a smoker for who knows how many hours and glazed with brown sugar. Amen. Amen. When I walk by there, you know those smells just reach out and grab your nose. Kind of like that Toucan Sam on Fruit Loops kind of brings you back over. And I asked the lady, I said, what is that smell? She said, that's smoked bacon. I said, number one, is it for sale? And she says, yes. I says, how much? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hate me for this because you're going to think I have no judgment. She says, it's $9.45. I says, go get me one. <laughs> she went and got me one. My goodness gracious. I was walking through the Magic Kingdom, frontier land, just gnawing on a piece of bacon. All the other men who hadn't found the cart yet were envious of me as I'm walking down the way, eating on that piece of bacon. Can I tell you something? After I ate that piece of bacon on that stick, I felt horrible. <laughs> Number one, I physically felt horrible. Number two, I, just, I, was, I was depressed about myself that I did that. Number one, that I paid $9 for a piece of bacon on a stick. And that I even took a picture of it to remind me of just how wretched of a man that I am. That, that I did that. Now can I tell you, I was not thinking about being fit in that choice. I could care less. You walk around and see a man with a piece of bacon on a stick eating it. That's a man who doesn't care about being fit. And at that moment in my life, I didn't care. And my choices reflected in that because of what I was filling myself with. Uh-oh. Could it be that our choices in our life today are a reflection that we really don't care about being spirit-filled and being spiritually filled? So, oh, no, you can't go. No, 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 no. If I'm guilty of not caring because I ate that bacon on a stick and you would agree with me on that, then a lot of the choices we make on a daily basis are nothing but evidence against us that we don't care about being spiritually fit. Look, if we want to fulfill the will of God, we've got to be spiritually fit. Paul says you've got to be worthy. You've got to live pleasing. How do you do that? Be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Listen, we, we can't go out there and gorge ourselves in the world. I know you've got to live in the world. We do. We have, to live. we have to be in the water like the boat is in the water, but the water's not in the boat. It's a tough balance to keep sometimes. But folks, as we go out there in that world, we're required by God, called by God to do his will. We can't do his will unless we're spiritually fit, and that's going to be a reflection of what we chose to be filled with. One of my favorite verses is in the book of Jeremiah. Obviously, we have the same name. So as a young person, I read a lot in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 20, we see Jeremiah wanting to quit, give up. Say, you know, I'm not going to speak of your name anymore. You know, you're just going to throw your hands up and quit. Oftentimes we say that. We know we're not. But boy, Jeremiah was down and out. But listen close. As Jeremiah wanted to stop and to quit, in verse number 9, the Bible says, but his word was in me. 
His word was in me. It goes on to say as a fire that was shut up in his bones. He says, I I couldn't stop. I couldn't quit. I couldn't forbear. As much as I wanted to, I couldn't quit on God. Why? Because his word was as a fire in my bones. You're going to need to make sure you fill yourself up with something that's going to keep you going. And old Jeremiah had filled himself up with the word of God. His word was as a fire in my bones. Can I ask you tonight... What have you filled yourself with lately that's going to keep you going in the will of God? Well, look, folks, nothing wrong sitting down and watching a little bit of a ball game. I, I watched a little bit of one today. I watched a very important one yesterday. And, uh, you know, nothing wrong with, with spending some family time together. But you better make time to fill yourself with something that's going to keep you going when the going gets tough. Because as a child of God living in 2019, the going's going to get tough. And you're going to need a fire inside your bones. But you see, the choice to be filled, that, that's yours. We see David. Why was David a man after God's own heart, own heart? Well, we find out where David says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. David says, I put it in there and I put it in there. Why? That I might not sin. Notice David says, What I filled myself up with, my input affected my output. And I'm going to tell you, based on our average Christian's output today, and I can be as guilty as the next person, we're not putting much in. Because David says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it takes a whole lot to get us to sin. So let me give you this real quickly, and I'll give you the second thing on this regimen of being fit in the faith. Number one, begins with a dedicated diet. And let me tell you this, you will be filled based on what you feast on. You will be filled based on what you feast on. Let me give you an example. We read about Stephen a while back on the Choice Servant series we've been doing on Wednesday night. And how many times did the Bible tell us that Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost? Stephen was full of faith. Uh, Stephen was full of power. How did Stephen get so full of all of those things? He chose to feast on those things. You will be filled with what you feast on. And look, if you feast on the word, you're going to be fi- of the world, you'll be filled with the world. And out of the abundance of the heart, your life will speak of the world. I'll give a good example of that in Acts chapter 13. The Bible says that the Jews were filled with envy. They were filled with envy. Now, is the devil sitting there with a gun, holding a gun to your head, making you be envious? No, you're choosing to feast on envy. They were filled with envy because they wanted to be envious of the disciples. You see, what you feast on is what you'll be filled with, and what you're filled with will determine the output of your spiritual life. So number one, notice it begins with a dedicated diet, but look closely in verse 9, and you'll see a little bit about what the diet is about. Notice the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. So he wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. Can I ask you real quick? This is a softball, okay? Get ready. How do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? Well, I'm glad you asked. James chapter 1, the Bible tells us if any man lack wisdom, let him ask. Can I tell you what James 1 is telling us? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask. It means wisdom's on God's menu. God's serving it up. God says, here it is. Here it is, silver platter, wisdom. Read in the book of Proverbs how valuable wisdom is, and God serves it up. And I hate to tell you, most of God's wisdom goes back to the kitchen cold. Nobody ever gets a scoop of that. Why don't we have wisdom? Because we don't want to feast on wisdom. I found out that usually it's what I order that they bring to my table. 
Sometimes they get it wrong. Sometimes they will put raw onions on my food, and oh my goodness, it near about ruins my day. I'm that shallow. I mean, I eat bacon on a stick. You know I'm that shallow. Most of the time, what gets served up is what I ordered. Do you know why we do not have wisdom? Because we don't order it. It's on God's menu. Keep reading. The Bible says not only in all wisdom, but in spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding. God wants us to think spiritually. How do we think spiritually? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto them. Now you say, well, who are the natural people? The people who choose to be natural. The people who choose to live as the natural man and let this dictate their life rather than the Holy Spirit of God who speaks in that still, small voice to guide our life. So number one, it begins with a dedicated diet. My dad said something years ago, be in prayer for my dad tonight. They were here a moment ago, and he started not feeling well, and so they left, uh, headed home, so be in prayer for my dad. But my dad said something years ago, and I wrote in the back of my Bible, 2001, I have the Bible back in my office, and I went back and looked at it. 2001, my dad says, too often, many of us makes, too many of us as Christians make decisions based off of taste rather than nutrition. I thought, wow, that's good. He came up with that on his own. He didn't get to have a fortune cookie. He came up with that all on his own. We make decisions based on taste rather than nutrition, i.e. bacon on a stick. That was not nutritious, but it was what I wanted. You see, the reason you're either spiritual or you're natural is because ultimately it's what you want. It's what you choose to be. So number one, the dedicated diet. Keep reading, verse 10. I'll show you the second thing. It's quite easy to pick out. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now look at the first four words of verse number 10. Paul's prayer for the church at Colossae, they'd be spiritually fit, worthy and pleasing. They'd be fit to God, what God says is pleasing. And he says you need to have a good diet in verse number 9. Fill yourself with the knowledge of his will. Verse 10, he says that ye might walk. Number two, how to be spiritually fit, understand that exercise is expected. Exercise is expected. Notice what he says, that ye, may, that ye might walk. You know, I'll tell you, I'm new to this health thing because most of my life, you know, it seems like after, after 35, I had to really start watching what I ate because before then I ate what I wanted, when I wanted, as much as I wanted, but there's something called metabolism they're telling me about that starts to slow down and um, that's why my hair's falling out, they tell me as well. And they tell me that, that I need to be more physically active. And I said, does that mean exercise? Is that what you're getting at? They said, yeah, yeah, you're going to have to walk, you're going to have to run just a little bit. I said, look, I just, I got a, I got a little bit of fat here that I, I need to go away, okay? I don't want to be a fat preacher, and so I just need it to, to go away. And so I've been dieting, and here's what somebody told me. They says, you cannot diet your way to abs. I hate it when people are right. You know, I said, I like to be, I need a little flatter in here, not because I want to be vain, but because I don't want to have to buy new clothes, and so they says, the only way you're going to get, you know, tighten those muscles is you're going to have to exercise just a little bit. Can I tell you, it's the same way spiritually. If you want to be spiritually fit, you're going to have to exercise sooner or later. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, notice what's happening here. It says that you may walk. You see, God wants you to take, watch verse 9, be filled with the knowledge of his will. And in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, he wants you to take all of that and then put it to work. That's what the walk is all about. 
You see, you know we come to God's house on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and we come on Wednesday night, and God gives us the knowledge of his will, okay? Now, God's not trying to grow our brain. Sometimes we think that we study the Bible just so that we can be spiritually smart. No, that's not why we study the Bible. God gives us all of the tools in the word of God. Then he wants us to put it to work. That's in our walk. He says, take all of the things in verse number nine and then put it into actions. Folks, listen, sooner or later, you've got to exercise your faith. You've got to take all of the things that you know and we like talking about. And isn't it fun sitting in a room and, and, and uh, going one-upping each other on what we know about the Bible? You know that happens, right? I've been in a few of those myself. You know, somebody will throw something out, and they're trying to find the most obscure scripture in the Word of God. And you're like, well, I, I know one out of Malachi, you know, and well, I, I'll throw one out of Ezra, you know, and back and forth. And that's not why God gave us the knowledge of his will. The reason that God gave us the knowledge of his will was to put it into practice. And that's what verse 10 is speaking of, that you may walk worthy. Last Sunday morning, I believe it was, we preached out of Mark chapter 6, and boy, I tell you, it just... It's just one of those thoughts that just stuck in the back of my head where the disciples were, were toiling. They were toiling in their boat. And the last part of that verse says that Jesus would have passed them by. He would have passed them by. Do you know what I believe that Christ wanted them to do? Exercise their faith. He said, I'm just going to keep on walking. I know they're going through a little bit of a toil, a little bit of a tough time, but I'm just going to keep on walking and let them exercise their faith just a little bit. Folks, can I tell you, that's how you get spiritually fit. Sooner or later, you put into practice all of the things that God has taught us and that we have learned from the word and the will of God. Sooner or later, you got to do it. Joshua 1.8, that thou mayest observe to know it. No. That thou mayest observe to do. How can we be spiritually fit if we do not exercise? And I'll tell you this. If you don't exercise your faith sooner or later, you're not going to have the spiritual muscles to be able to do much for God in the future. You need that. You've got to get, look, the reason I'm trying to watch my calories now is because, man, there's going to be a big Christmas dinner at my wife's family and a big Christmas dinner at my mom and dad's family, and I'm going to have to create some room to be able to handle a meal like that. I'm preparing for the future. Now, folks, understand, you're going to come to places in your life, it's going to require more than what you've got now. And the only way that you're going to have what it takes to accomplish the task ahead is that you have spiritually exercised your faith and got a little bit of muscles. Years ago, we were at the Grand Canyon. On the way home from a mission trip to Mexico, we stopped by the Grand Canyon, and we started walking down the trail of the Grand Canyon. We noticed a sign, and we have a picture of it. I'll show you here. Uh, that's one of the signs of the Grand Canyon. It says, caution, down is optional, up is mandatory. I thought, well, that's, that's pretty deep right there. Down is optional. Up is mandatory. What it's saying, if you choose to walk down to the bottom, you have to understand you have to be sure you're going to have to walk back out. And it gives you a list over on the side. It says avoid uphill hiking between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Rest. It goes on down the line. It says hydrate. Drink water and electrolytes and fluids. Eat double the amount of food that you eat. It is your responsibility. It gives you all of these things. Now, why did they put that there? They put that there so that you'll have all of the knowledge that you need to make it to the bottom and back up to the top. 
Now, folks, can I tell you, sometimes the will of God is like a walk down in the Grand Canyon and a walk out of the Grand Canyon. It can be strenuous. It can be taxing. Look, it puts you through the, the ringer spiritually sometimes. Wait a minute. And all along the way, God had signposts. This was the knowledge of what we needed to make it through the will of God to fulfill the will of God. Here's the problem. We didn't heed the sign. Do you know how many people die in the Grand Canyon? How many people have died in the Grand Canyon? Why? They didn't heed the sign. They tried to, to strike out on the journey without taking the knowledge they needed to fulfill the task at hand. That's why so many of us die spiritually. We're not spiritually fit for the journey ahead because we ignored all of the signs that God preserved in his word. Folks, listen, this is not a joke. You come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Listen, God's giving us what we need for the journey ahead. I say, you know what? I don't think I like that today. You talk too loud. You spit on the people in the front row. That's why nobody sits here in these first four seats because it's the splash zone. You say, you know what? I, I'll, I'll get that next time. But what if you need it tomorrow? What if you get into a taxing part of the journey of the will of God for your life, but you left that water and you left the knowledge that would have kept you alive? There's a reason we look in the book of Ephesians, the book of Colossians, the book of Thessalonians. The Bible says to walk worthy. The Bible in Hebrews, the Bible tells us that the will of God for our life is a race. Folks, there's exercise involved in the will of God. Sooner or later, you've got to put your faith and the practice, now why? The why is in the middle of verse number 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You see, we're not doing this for us. We're doing this to please God. First Corinthians 10, 31, the Bible says that whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. All to the glory of God. How can you glorify God if you fail in your race? You keep reading in verse 10, I'll hurry. The Bible says unto all pleasing, notice the next two words, being fruitful, being fruitful. How can you be fruitful? Look, how can you be fruitful if you don't have the nutrients that you need to just stay alive? The goal is to glorify God. The goal is to produce fruit. And folks, look, if you can't have a little bit of spiritual stamina, you're never going to produce fruit. I did some research on trees and depending on how old they are, when you put them in the ground, it can take two to five years for an apple tree to produce fruit. Two to five years. That apple tree's got to survive long enough to produce fruit. You got to get some water to that apple tree. You got to get some fertilizer to that apple tree. Why? Because the goal is to produce fruit. Can I tell you, your spiritual goal in this life should not just be to survive. Your goal should be as a child of God to fulfill the will of God and do what verse number 10 says, to be fruitful. I'm not here just to survive until the trump of God sounds. Too many of us are in cruise control mode until God comes back. I'm saved. I've got my fire insurance. I'm on my way to heaven. When the trump of God sounds, I'm out of here, and I'm going to stick my tongue out at the world as we're gone. I look forward to the coming of the Lord too. But in the meantime, we're here to produce fruit and to glorify God. You can't do that if you're not spiritually fit. So notice the last part of verse 10. I'll give you the last point. The Bible says, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice how it comes full circle. You keep growing and growing and growing. That's how, you ever wonder how these super Christians do what they do? Every one of us know a super Christian, don't we? 
Those people who walk with God, they know their Bible. It, it just seems like when they're praying that Jesus is standing right beside them. How did they get to that place? They just kept, watch close, verse 9. They were filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom, spiritual understanding. They walked worthy, they became fruitful, and they increased in knowledge, and it just repeats itself over and over and over. Number two, exercise is expected. You're going to have to put your faith into practice. Then look at number 11. Verse number 11 gives us one of the easiest ones to pick out here. The Bible says, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Number three, you're also going to have to work out with weights. Work out with weights. Now, I put W-E-I-G-H-T-S, but can I tell you, it can just as easily be spelled W-A-I-T-S. Notice what he says, strengthen with all might. God wants us to be strong according to his glorious power unto all patience. What is that? That's weight training. Oh, sometimes it's hard to wait, isn't it? Now, here's what's interesting. Turn with me, if you will, one more place, and we'll close this out tonight to the book of James. James chapter number one, I want you to see God's weight training regimen, if you will. James chapter number one, look down to verse number three. James chapter one. This is probably a verse our mothers read often. The Bible says in verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, this is interesting because you keep reading in verse number 4, the Bible says, but let patience have her perfect work. Let patience have her perfect or complete work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Well, sometimes waiting is work, isn't it? Let patience have her perfect work. And then we see in verse 3 that patience comes by a trying. <coughs> Excuse me, a trying. Do you know how you get spiritually strong? <coughs> I'm sorry, physically strong? By lifting weights. Do you know why that builds muscle? Watch this, because you're pressing against resistance. You get stronger by pushing against something that is trying to push back at you, okay? Now, can I tell you, as a Christian, as a child of God, and we seek to do the will of God and move forward in the, in the race that we're called to run, excuse me, <coughs> like somebody just shot a spitball in the back of my throat, <coughs> my goodness. As it pushes back on you, you push back on it, and that's what builds strength. He said in verse 11, strengthen with all might. How do we become strengthened? It says here, unto all patience and long suffering. That means as we do the will of God and we get pushed back, well, we push back at it in our patience. No, I'm not rolling over and going home. I'm pushing back, and it's kind of like a push-up, all right? Now, some of you are wondering what that is. It's not that ice cream that you pushed out of the tube. It's when you get down on the floor and you push yourself up, all right? Some of you, light bulb just came on. We had a, a learning moment together here tonight at the church. You're wondering why you don't have a six-pack abs. You say, my goodness, I, I do 20 push-ups a day. No, that's, that's not going to do it. It's the other kind of push-up. 
But you push back, and all of a sudden, it starts hurting, doesn't it? Man, you, you, feel, you feel parts of your body burning that you didn't even know that you had. You wake up in the fetal position, and the next morning, your wife wonders what's going on. What happens if you quit? You're not becoming strengthened. So how do we become strengthened with all might? It's through patience. We keep going. I'm not going to quit. It pushes at me. I'm going to push back at it. Why? Because I want to be strengthened with all might. You see, sometimes carrying a cross gets heavy, doesn't it? How heavy was the cross that Christ carried? Oh, the will of God was heavy, but he carried it all the way to Calvary. And secured the greatest victory that the world will ever see. And because if you're saved here tonight, it's because he was willing to carry the load. Now, folks, the will of God is going to be heavy at times, but we carry it with patience. Why? So verse number 11, we can be strengthened with all might. The last part gives us our target goal, if you will. The Bible says, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. You know, it's good that when you're trying to get fit, you have a goal. You need to have a goal. What are you working toward? I have a goal of how many pounds that I want to be down to and what I, what I consider myself uh, to be fit, so I have a goal. Can I tell you what the goal of the Christian ought to be? Be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we put into practice and we walk worthy and pleasing unto God. That we're fruitful. That verse number 11, that we're able to continue the will of God with patience and with joyfulness. You know, sometimes when you're doing the will of God and it's tough, it's hard to smile through the tears, isn't it? But you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. And after a while, through patience and long suffering, you find it's not so hard anymore. So folks, I believe tonight that God desires his children be spiritually fit. God desires that we be pleasing, fit to him, worthy of what he calls spiritually fit. How do we do that tonight? It begins with a dedicated diet. Exercise is expected. We've got to practice what we have learned and the knowledge that we know. And then finally, we've got to work out with weights. What does that mean? That means we've got to be patient. Don't quit. Don't give up. Be long-suffering. Exercise can be long-suffering, can it, sometimes? Long-suffering, but keep with it. Why? Because if we will continue through the long-suffering at the end, that's when we find joyfulness. Let's have our heads bowed tonight and our eyes closed. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. What about it tonight?